0: Hello and welcome to Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is Episode 70, John Wick, Chapter 2, from 2017. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us today we have
1: our John Wick expert, Mike Flynn. Hello, Mike. How's it going, guys? Good. So now before we get into this movie, which is the newest Keanu movie, and what we thought was going to be the end of phase one of Keanu Club. Actually, you know know what's genuinely amazing, Mike? I just realized this. For Cage phase one, we had 72 episodes. Now, for Keanu phase one, we're going to have 72 episodes. Because in the last week since we last recorded, we found out that his movie To the Bone with Lily Collins, which I think played at Sundance this year, is coming to Netflix on July 14th which has already passed as you're listening to this, and also The Bad Batch, which we knew was going to be in theaters in June, also hit on demand on June 23rd. So that's available on Amazon, I think iTunes. So those two are going to be the last two. We're going to do The Bad Batch next week, and then we're going to do To the Bone. So we're going to, you know, this phase
0: one of Keanu Club keeps getting a little bit longer, which is exciting. It was just such a great surprise because the end here was really picking up steam with Keanu again, and like these projects were getting way interesting. Uh, So, like, it's just really great that we got these two extra flicks, one of which I'm just going to say, one of which I've seen and loved. So (laughs) we'll get to that soon. And I watched that last year and I really liked it, too. So we'll
1: get to that next week after the Bad Batch. And then we're all patiently waiting for To the Bone, which is out now as you're listening to this. But the other bit of news that I wanted to bring about was that we've skipped a bunch of documentaries getting to this point. We didn't skip one here. We skipped for now a TV series from Europe called Swedish Dicks, which is a detective show set in L.A., starring Peter Stormare, who is in John Wick Chapter 2, which is perfect timing to talk about this. Season 1 came out a while ago, I think last year in Europe, and Season 2 either is out or coming out soon, but it just got picked up in the U.S., I think it's coming out later this summer, maybe? It might even be out by the time you're hearing this. But we're going to watch it and sort of decide if we want to cover it or not. But that'll be down the road a little bit. That'll be after
0: To the Bone either way, so... Yeah, and that might be like a special episode for the entire season one or however that works out.
1: Because it's like a half-hour comedy and Keanu is in five of the ten episodes, I think. And I watched the pilot, what I could find, without subtitles. And he's only on screen for three seconds, but it's kind of... Awesome. So we will see uh, if we cover that soon. Or at least, you know, we might mention it briefly at the beginning of another episode if we don't cover it in its entirety. But anyway, John Wick Chapter 2, a movie that Mike Flynn did not work on. Is that correct? Uh, Correct. My brother-in-law <laughs> actually did some work on it. But oh, wow. I was, Keeping it in the family. So this movie... Oh, boy. Okay, so the other thing that I guess to, to discuss is... I think we've talked... We I, don't, I honestly don't remember if we talked about it, because I know we've posted about it on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash cageclub, on Twitter at cageclubpod, We also have the website cageclub.me. I know we've posted about it. I'm not sure if we've talked about it, but since we recorded the first John Wick episode six weeks ago, they've announced that there's going to be a prequel TV series about the Continental Hotel. And... Keanu may appear he may not or I think he's probably going to appear but he's not going to be like the focal point of it he might check in for an afternoon or for a day (laughs) because I I guess if it is a prequel it'll be it would still be when he's active I guess because there's no reason for him to go to the Continental when he's
0: retired right so unless he's just hanging out with friends yeah it would have to be a prequel from like 20 years ago, at least, right? While he was still on the job. I wonder what that's going to be. But
1: the reason I bring that up is because this movie kind of gives some insight into what that TV show would be, because this is an expanded Wikiverse. This is (laughs) not just about John Wick's personal story, but this is about, you know, the Continental Hotel. We learn more about the hotel. We learn more about the people who work there. We learn more about, you know, this web of assassins. And I really like this movie and I love everything Keanu does in it. But I also realized I don't really care Care about the Continental if Keanu is not there.
0: Yeah, and I was surprised to find out that it's a chain of hotels all around the world, <laughs> so, somewhat stocked with the same you know doppelgangers at each different place. You know, we've got Django in Italy instead, yes. like Franco Nero. But I hear what you're saying. Like for me, I'm just going to say it up front. I love this movie, but I feel like it maybe bit off a little more than it should have in that it expanded too much too quickly. Like, to me, it just kind of felt like a lot of setup throughout the entire film all the way to the end. And then there's John Wick and what he's doing as well, which also feels like a little more than last movie. I I feel like they maybe just are doing more than I want them to, but they're still pulling it off.
2: I agree with you. I think it's a classic action sequel in that it's more, it's bigger, it's better. it's cooler, and they do that intentionally, but I don't think it's better. I don't think it quite has the simplicity that made the original film so brilliant and one of the best action movies of this era, if not the best.
1: You know what I was thinking, actually, that brings me to a point. It reminds me of other top tier, very top tier action movies from this era. This franchise reminds me of The Raid, in that the first one, I th- this, this might be controversial, and I don't want to get too far off of a tangent, but you guys can chime in on this if you want. I think the first Raid is better than the Raid 2, but both the Raid 2 and John Wick Chapter 2 kind of maybe have more action, but both franchises and sort of all four movies, there is like this build-up to action, and like once the action really gets going, it doesn't let you go, which I think is why all of them work so well. I just drew this comparison between the two of them. I think both John Wick, the first one, and The Raid Redemption are better than their sequels, but their sequels have a lot of great things going for them. They're just a little bit big, and it's not as pure of a story.
0: Yeah, I think, like, what Mike was saying, like, they're definitely aware that they are a thing now, and they want to sort of follow, like, the bigger, the sequel, you know, it's the sequel, we have to not just go bigger, like, we got to go all out, this could even be our last one, we don't know, and the things that I like that they do are the moments not necessarily the plot i guess it's the plot that i'm struggling with more over anything else but i do love how they sort of pumped up the color a lot you know it feels a lot more neon than the last movie to me and i like how they go international you know and we get the and i love i love all the little i love the common rivalry that he has with with the actor common in this movie with that character so like yeah there there's lots of great stuff in here i just feel like i wish it fit together a little cleaner
2: I agree with that not being cohesive. Granted, I think The Raid 2 is better than The Raid. I think it's one of the great crime films. But the thing about John Wick Chapter 2, both you guys are correct in that. It's sort of like, well, the first movie was a great success, so we have to go more than this. It's more colorful. You can tell the budget's been upped. But... I felt like I was waiting for those big action beats and I think the per capita on action and payoff is a lot more satisfying in the first movie. I also and I think we'll touch on this later, I think that the villain is more just an annoyance in this movie. He,
1: he's kind of a bitch. Like he just sort of sucks. Yeah. Like when,
0: when he gets killed you're like, yeah of the just like the thing about like the action in here i really felt like in the first movie it it developed his character more, right? Like every action sequence sort of explained more about who John Wick was, what he's capable of, what he could do. And and now that we know what he's capable of, it's really hard to make that a growth moment for him, really. They really are now just action sp- spectacular action sets, which are great, which are awesome, but I, I'm not feeling like a lot of character growth over the course of this, really, which is unfortunate. Like, maybe they should have stayed small or tried to go even smaller with John Wick, too, which maybe they'll do for the third One, right? Like maybe they'll just bring it all back and and bring it smaller and downer for for part three.
1: But I feel like that's not the trajectory that we're on. Like we're going global now, even more so. So, in terms of the budget and everything, the first movie had a budget of 20 million. It made 43 in America and 88 total. So, big success. The second one doubled the budget to 40, made 92 domestic and 166 total. So, they doubled the budget and they doubled the return. I don't think, again, they'll double the budget again, because I feel like this is a good place for this movie to be. Like, I don't think I don't know where you would have put more money. Maybe bigger set pieces, but like, he's not a Mission Impossible type guy where he's, like, jumping out of planes and stuff. He's just shooting guys. And I feel like if they make it look great, but you don't have to use a lot of money to make that look good. Throw them in these tunnels, throw up some cool lighting, or, you know, that mirror, the museum in New York, like, that's amazing too. Come up with, like, creative ways. I don't think you need to put more money into it. So I, I don't see it getting a bigger budget, but I do think... Unfortunately or maybe fortunately, I mean, maybe maybe there's a better one, a better story in mind, but like I think that we're going to go bigger for the third one.
0: Where I thought we were going with this was even more international. Like we get to Rome and I th- actually thought we were going to be there the whole movie or maybe jet set somewhere else before, but we just end up back in New York. And maybe that's what they should do is like make him the dark James Bond and have him globe-trotting in the next movie, you know, avoiding all those like people that come in after him and stuff. I'd like to see him in Japan and I'd like to see him, you know, in Sweden. There's lots of places I'd love to see John Wick try and operate.
2: The possibilities are endless on that note. I, like, you can take him to Hong Kong, you can take him to the Alps. He's all-purpose, John Wick. He's tactical. Take him to England, and I'd love to see who they get for the head of the Continental in England. But I <laughs> feel like John Wick Chapter 3, if and when it they make it, the excommunicado thing has to carry over. Like he's on the run. There's no way they can't go global this time. Like he's on the run. He's persona non grata in New York. He's got to be going all over the place. I'd love to see him go to Russia and start killing all of Vigo's other guys over there. Well, he has
0: an ally now in in Vigo's brother, Stormare, the opening of this movie where he finally gets his car back. And guys, I didn't even realize at the end of the last movie he didn't get his car back. Like That's that's an amazing feat that that film pulled off. Like He didn't even accomplish his main objective, really.
1: Also, keep in mind that this movie takes place four days after the first one. So can you imagine that week in the life of John Wick? Like His wife dies. (laughs) Then the entire first movie happens and then he basically goes home to regroup get to know his dog and then this whole movie happens and then the way that they're setting up the third one like it's not like he's gonna get a breather like he has an hour to get away so this is like gonna be the worst week in history for a single person all of this you know how many bodies is he gonna like you know we're, we're up near 300 kills probably between the two movies so like i don't I, I feel bad for whoever he's gonna run into in the in the third one don't deserve it oh
0: absolutely that whole timeline thing i didn't really consider and that's a really interesting point because there's few sequels that manage to maintain momentum let alone like just pick up right where they left off and it's kind of interesting how this one does both like i, I didn't realize it took place that close to the first movie i thought for sure at least like a couple of like weeks or a month had gone by i
1: didn't realize that either yeah, you know. Wow. So one thing that I do like about the possibility for the third one is something that we sort of see here that's never explicitly said in this one, but is sort of understood is that he has this history. As we're talking about for the Continental TV series, he has this history, this career. It also makes me wonder how many places he has gold coins hidden because he's got so many in his basement. He's got another, you know, couple dozen in that bank that he goes to. He's probably got gold coins all over the place. But because he's had this such like this, you know, this storied career and everybody. Mm-hmm. Knows him. We can drop him anywhere, and people are going to know him, like because he's bigger than life. He's the Baba yega But like, it's not like he can ever be a new face somewhere, which I think is cool. Like, there's an assumed history there. Like, like in the first movie, when we're talking about the first movie, even before we see him do anything other than drive a car, we hear such horror stories and see the way people react to like. Oh, we don't know what he's done, but we know who he is. And so here, you know, for the third one, the whole world of assassins knows who he is, and we know that. And so wherever he goes, there's like this, like it's just, it's an automatic rhythm that we're put into, which I think is why the Rome stuff works well, and why I think a lot of what could go on in the third movie would also work well.
0: Hmm. And we get a little taste of that here in an awesome kill montage where, you know, there's an open contract on John Wick again, you know, there's that moment where he arrives back in New York City and like, you see <laughs> sort of like the sumo guy come after him, you see like the violinist come after him, you know, you see these people who are like represent diversity <laughs> in the yeah. Assassin's Guild and they're all coming after him. So it, it's really cool that like people, people almost treat him like a trophy at that point, right? So it'll be really interesting to see him worldwide, like who he can trust, who he, he will be aligned with and what kind of mischief he's going to get into.
2: I like that you call it a kill montage. You don't even call it an action sequence. It's a kill montage. And my favorite part of that kill montage is when, and this is a payoff from the first one, because Vigo tells us that he saw John Wick do something unspeakable with a pencil
1: what happens and it's also takes... even before he does it in this movie it's also teased again and this time which i think is kind of funny is that because we've seen the first movie and we've already heard this story the guy who's like hearing is just like yeah yeah i know with a pencil and then
2: and then it's the best use of a pencil since the dark knight
0: yeah Yeah. And I almost thought in the first movie that was part of the joke was like the Joker death in the Dark Knight was so cool. It's like a tribute to he got that from John Wick, you know, hearing (laughs) stories or something. And so now that we actually see it, it's like we talked about sometimes with certain songs that go into movies so well, you can never use them again. Like you can never kill someone with a pencil ever again in a movie now because of John Wick chapter two. He just does it to the to the max
1: well he's now used two pencils in his life to kill a total of five people so kind of a really high average and a really high bar to clear but what's weird about this movie i think and maybe not weird because i think it works for the most part and it worked better for me the first time than this time is the opening of the movie there's like a 14 minute john wick getting his car back montage and 14 minutes into the movie the credits come up so it's a, a really long, extended, cold open, even longer than the Raising Arizona one. And But I mean, that, that movie is much shorter than this movie, so proportionally it's bigger. But anyway, 14 minutes of him driving around, doing all this cool stuff, car getting beat to hell. Carfu. Oh, Carfu. Yeah. Yep. Only for Johnny Legs to say it'll be done by Christmas 2030. <laughs> but then there's literally 40 minutes until there's action again, that there's cool stuff in between, like him... At the Continental, sort of getting you know his guns and his clothes, and once again, like we mentioned last time, this is the job that I want. I want to be like Peter Serafinowitz's assistant. Like that's all I want. Like in this in this universe, I just want to work with him, and that's all I want. But there's well, I thought 40... of uh, Mike,
0: and yeah, Mike said he wanted to work at the library. When John goes to Rome, there's like a, he goes to a library and like or a bookstore, and the guy's got all like the blueprints and stuff, and I was like, oh, that would be Mike's job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I but there's there's forty minutes of this movie where he doesn't do anything and it reminded me of the first movie where like we see him driving early on, but then you know, thirty minutes in we get to that house scene. And then here, it's not until fifty five minutes in what I really liked and I think this is something that like unless you really spend as much time as we do analyzing it, you might not realize it's something you probably feel, but like as soon as the music starts playing in Rome, it's within a minute that gunfire starts. That like in this movie universe music and really grisly deaths by gun are like intertwined beautifully the music starts and he's like sort of staring at calm and you're like all right like the, here we go and then like it, the movie sort of doesn't let up for the next hour pretty much
0: yeah well they have to use that 40 minutes to sort of introduce the plot really is you know we have the italian guy shows up what's his name santino, santino little saint yes You know, there's no action, but it's all story. Like, Santino shows up and he says, you know, when you want it out and you have to perform your impossible task, which we know about, like, big reference from first movie, John Wick's Impossible Task. This is the guy he went to for help.
3: No one gets out and comes back without repercussions. I do this with a heavy heart, John. But remember, if not for what I did on the night of your impossible task, you wouldn't be here right now like this. This is because of me. This in part is mine. Take it back. Take it back? Take it back. A marker is no small thing, John. For a man to grant a marker to another is to bind a soul to a blood oath. Find someone else. Listen to me. Where is this? Do hmm? you remember? This is your blood. You came to me. I helped you. If you don't do this, you know the consequences. I'm not that guy anymore. You're always that guy, John.
0: So, you know, we, we're expanding canon here. We're building the world a little more. And it does it does kind of take its time, you know, and maybe it takes a little too much of its time, but at least it ends with a big house explosion. Like, it, it knows that you've waited, you know, and, like, we've listened to these guys talk for, like, two scenes. So it's like, here's a, an explosion, at least, to, to hold you over until we get to the tunnels.
2: Yeah, Uh, I do agree with that. I mean, it's cool that you get to see the world building and everything, and you get introduced to accounts payable, which is a fucking great concept. I love that. I love how it's like an old-timey thing, like from Brazil, or uh, like some, like, I remember a review comparing it to something out of a Wes Anderson movie, which I thought it was more Terry Gilliam, but it sets up really cool things, but like, I thought the whole part with the sister was a little unnerving and a little too grisly
0: yeah so we should mention like in order to be free again John Wick essentially has to kill this guy's sister because and here's some new stuff she has a new seat at the high table which is right they're gonna throw that around a lot in this movie. Like, I feel like this is almost like setting up S.H.I.E.L.D. for for the next movie of their universe.
1: Yeah. Do you think that there's any significance? I was trying to think of it, I don't know what it is, that the sister's name is Janna, G-I-A-N-N-A, but like the feminine John. Is there any significance to a John being forced, sort of being forced to kill himself in a way?
0: I don't know. All all that plays out very strange, you know, like she ends up committing suicide because she wants to she has controlled her own life. So she wants to control how she dies. And it, But then he puts a bullet in her head anyway. And I, I'm not sure what, what he's thinking exactly.
2: I just thought it was a weird sequence. And I got what they were trying to do. And I get what they're trying to convey about her taking her own life instead of getting killed by the Baba Yaga. But it's just it's. Creepy. It, it doesn't feel like something that you would see in that universe, but it does fit in with that like crazy neon acid tinged giallo hue to the film.
0: Yeah. I think what's weird is like, we haven't had them. We didn't get a moment like this in the first movie. Like the movie never really took any time to sort of quiet down and have a really strange character, and we're overseas now, so the customs are different, and the world is different, and everything is just different, and I feel like they're almost playing off Italian cinema, you know, not just with Franco Nero showing up, but like Mike said, like with the Giallo stuff, and the lighting, and and just her almost away, she's just like this powerful female mafia figure. Yeah, it's, it's just very foreign. It's uncomfortable, it's eerie, but I still feel like it works enough. I wish it was cleaner. I wish it was more of like, she maybe beat the shit out of John Wick and like you know he just barely kills her or like the brothers people show up and end up taking her out anyway but
1: to that end is there any way you see that woman being able to hold her own against John Wick
0: Well, not necessarily, but maybe with a weapon or or a sword, or she's proficient with a bow staff. (laughs) I mean, I just wish that we had more time with her before she was taken out because she's the target and she seems better than her brother, right? Like, it seems like John would want her to be running things over her brother in the first place, so I just wish we knew her more before she died.
3: What brought you back, John? A marker. held by Your brother. Tell me, John. This marker. Is it how you got out? And what was her name? This woman whose life has ended my own. Helen. Helen. This Helen. Was she worth the price that you now seek to pay? No. Let me tell you what happens when I die. Santino will lay claim to my seat at the table. He will take New York. And you will have been the one
1: who gifted it to him. I do wonder how much of this movie could have or was cut out because it's already, I want to say like 15 or 20 minutes longer than the first one. I don't know if it feels rushed, but it feels incomplete. Like I think what you're saying, he sort of gets there and she's like, who sent you? And he says, your brother. She's like, all right, I'm going to kill myself now. And then like we see that she and common have this bond that's more, that's sort of more than just protect the protector, right? It seems, I don't know if it's a love thing or it, it seems deeper, but we don't really see him grieve over her either. So I wonder if there's just stuff that they trimmed down here just because the action has begun or is about to begin or whatever, and we we can't spend another five or ten minutes of talking or mourning.
2: Did the Blu-ray have deleted scenes on it?
0: There are deleted scenes. Yeah, I didn't watch those either, but they're not in the movie, right? Like, I have a feeling that you're right, that the that they just took a look at the final cut and were like, we got to get to the action. Like, we're going to think this is cool, and there's going to be a part of the audience that likes the mythology we're building here, but most people just want to see John Wick shoot people in the head, like, four or five times, you know? That's kind of the point of John Wick.
1: <laughs> I think why the sequence over here works once it gets going is because they pretty perfectly cast a couple people as sort of not Head villains, but sort of you know that next
0: tier down. That common is great. They're like the hitmen of Rome in the way I feel like John and the girl from the first one that we saw and like Adrian Halicki, um, yeah, yeah, his right. guardian angel that was um, kind of following him around at the same. Um, Willem Dafoe, right? Yeah, yeah. These Martin. are their doppelgangers in a way. Like we right. have a new girl and a new guy.
1: Because Common is great, and Ruby Rose is great. And Ruby Rose has now been in three sequels this year. I've seen two of them. She's in this, she's in Resident Evil, The Final Chapter, and she was in Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. I saw all
0: three in theaters. She is
1: a real action, I guess she's becoming an action star, sort of. Even though she doesn't talk in this,
0: she just sort of, you know, she's mute or she, you know, she signs to him. That was perfect. Like, not only is it, like, this really threatening woman, but she's mute. And she's going to threaten you with sign language, and it's going to be scary.
2: She's awesome. And I saw the X Return of Xander Cage, and she made an impression on me in that. I thought she was one of the better parts of the movie. But then I saw her in this. I'm like, she's got to have a career.
1: She's also on... I first saw her on Orange is the New Black. She was in either last year or two years ago. She's in a handful of episodes. She's like an Australian model, I think, turned actress. Because she's beautiful. And she's also... A cool action star i mean she's good in this i, I like her a lot also in triple x that she's you know this great sniper she's able to she's funnier there because that whole movie is funnier so i like that she can sort of play the funny action stuff and also like the serious scary action stuff like she does here and whatever and whatever she does in resident evil i don't know <laughs> she plays she's basically yeah a tough-ass chick <laughs> all around
2: Yeah, I feel like she'll end up getting typecast and that sort of thing. And look, she she started in the Roger Moore James Bond riff, and then she did the Timothy Dalton James Bond riff.
0: Well, I feel like like this shows that she has abilities, though. Like, just, you know the idea that she doesn't talk throughout the whole movie i mean how many actors in general would say you know what i don't want any dialogue that <laughs> you know like but no like it, that's like a challenge accepted for this person you know and i feel like she really does a good job of it like almost immediately before she even before it was even implied that she was mute and i mean I, maybe i might have picked it up from the trailer but i have a—I mean you could just tell there's something up with this person that there's something a little off with, with her. And then you find out, oh, she doesn't talk. She's like a silent assassin. Like, that's that's awesome.
2: It's sort of, it's very similar to, and granted, these examples were ones where they ended up cutting most of the dialogue from the script or from the film. Uh, Stallone in, the, in First Blood, they cut 80% of his dialogue out of the movie. And recently in Sicario, Benicio del Toro's character, Alejandro, like ninety percent of his backstory was cut, and it made his performance so much better, so much cooler, so much more atmospheric.
0: I mean, even going back to guys like Jason Voorhees, you know, or Michael Myers, right? Like, just yeah. silent killers are more threatening. You know,
1: there's a stronger fear of the unknown. Yeah, because I mean, it's 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 always scarier what you what your mind assigns to it, right? That like you don't know like if she is choosing not to talk or if she's paying penance for something or maybe her tongue was cut out. You know what I mean? Like, who knows what the backstory is there, but whatever it is, it's cooler and more mysterious than actually
0: knowing the truth. Now, about Common, like, granted, he's like, you know, 10 years younger than John or Keanu, or at least that's how I look at it because the actors, I think, are that far apart in age. But he seemed to me to really be holding his own against John Wick. And I almost thought like, this is, this is going to be like the new and improved, not improved necessarily, but like the new model. Like Common is now, maybe not the boogeyman yet, but give him 20 years. He doesn't look like he's ever going to want to get out. I'm impressed pretty much with these guys. Like they are really kicking ass together.
2: It's like Wolverine and Sabretooth or Batman and Deathstroke. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah. Like mirror images of each other. Right. And it's funny. I like that when
2: Keanu is in *Common Meat*, it's it starts out as a shootout, and then it turns into this *They Live* esque, never ending fistfight in yes, yep. the streets of Rome.
0: <laughs> they keep and running into each other with
1: no music, much like *They Live*. It's just like all you hear is like they're grunting and they're kicking and stuff. Like it's it's somehow
0: like gritty and flashy at the same time. Like it's both and it works. Because I think both dudes are just so cool and look cool when they're fighting in their suits and, and they just don't care. Like, they'll just start shooting at each other in a crowded dance hall or on, you know, the PATH train in New York City. They'll just start a knife fight with each other. I almost wish they had, like, a third encounter to kind of, like, you know, make it a little more rounded out or anything. But but it is great when they see each other and he's like, you're working tonight? And he's like, yep. And how's that going?
4: <laughs> Can I see You working? Yeah. You? Yeah. Good night? Afraid so. I'm sorry to hear that.
1: What I also like about the John Wick common relationship is that there's a respect there that isn't there for Ruby Rose. And it's the same respect that Keanu paid to drumroll, please, the Bowery King, Lawrence Fishburne, back from the Matrix movies. So (laughs) in in this movie, we hear the story from Morpheus himself saying that John Wick gave him a gift or whatever, that he stabbed him and said, you can either kill me and die yourself or hold your hand there and go get attention, go get help and so again the same thing here that he stabs Common in the aorta and essentially it's a it's a finishing blow but like is gonna let him get to the doctor and then Ruby Rose he stabs her in the exact same place and pulls the knife out because like there's not a respect there like I, I don't know if there's like not just a shared history or if there's more to it that we didn't see but like there's this history this unspoken bond of sorts between Keanu and Common that we get in that like two-sentence description or two-sentence story from Lawrence Fishburne.
4: You're not very good at retiring. I'm working on it. Mr. Wick doesn't remember, but we met many years ago, before my ascension. When I was just a pawn in the game, we met and you gave me a gift. The gift that would make me a king. You don't remember, but there I was standing in an alleyway. I didn't even hear you coming. You gave me this gift from the boogeyman, perfect for every occasion. But you also gave me a choice. Pull my gun, shoot you in the back, and die. Or keep the pressure on my neck and live. And so you see I survived. No one sneaks up on me anymore, thanks to you. I am all seeing, all
2: knowing. I think it kind of, you kind of traces it back to the Heroic Bloodshed films from Hong Kong. It's kind of something you find rooted in Japanese history during feudal times with samurai. It's like a code. Yeah, like. there's
0: like an honor among thieves too, right? Yeah. Like that as well, I mean... I mean, there's rules to this. I mean, we are civilized killers after all. Um, but I do love that I was not expecting that moment, you know, when he stabs Common in the chest and leaves him sitting there on the subway. Second time around watching it, when the subway doors close and you see the look on Common's face, it's like, this ain't over, bitch. It was just the best yeah. fucking look on his face. You're like, oh, of course he's going to survive this. Like, the guy is, like, basically a Terminator.
2: He's going to come back in part three with a cyborg eye. Just watch <laughs> I'm hoping that the franchise does get to a point where we have cyborgs involved. <laughs> (laughs)
1: What I like about that moment, what I like actually about a lot of this is that friend of the show and host of Now and Again, Chris Mattiello, when he was talking about this movie, he said that this movie gives John Wick infinite ammo and God mode abilities and just sort of lets him go to town. It's true to an extent because that's who John Wick is. But what I like about the common thing, the fact that he almost dies, or the fact that there's like one of the coolest things in the movie that I don't think I saw the first time is that after he's battling Common the first time, right after Gianna kills herself, he goes in the tunnel and, you know, he has, like, first battle with the wave of Ruby Rose's henchmen. He, like, catches a breather around the corner and, like, slaps his chest and then just bullets just fall from him. So, like, he's not indestructible he's just prepared he got shot a lot like he got shot like 10 or 12 times and we find out from the tailor in the continental that it is bulletproof that they sew it in the in the lining but it hurts a lot so yeah it's sort of kind of god mode ish but it's more a preparation it's a guy who's been doing this for 30 years it's a guy who like knows how to protect himself like in that same sequence, he then, like, holds his jacket up in front of his face to sort of act as like a shield. And I don't think I caught that the first time either. I'm like, whoa, like, that's super cool. And so, yeah, like, John Wick is sort of, like, playing with, you know, cheat codes. But at the same time, he's not really, because he gets shot a lot. He gets shot and, like, actually gets gut shot. I mean, he gets stabbed in this movie. He takes a lot of beatings. He just is more experienced and still, like, hasn't had that decline in ability that, you know, another older
0: guy might have experienced, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, is the instinct that he has. I mean, you know, we got to remember keeping the timeline in our heads, like, he just got back into the game, like, three days ago or five days ago. And, like, granted, the last movie, that was, like, a warm-up for him, you know? That was, like, a -a two-and-a-half-day murder spree that he just went through. So maybe now he's just, like you know he's like he's like all warmed up he's like ready to play another round he's like put me in coach and so he's just got like the adrenaline pumping the instinct rocking and yeah like he he's John Wick so like he knows how to do everything best in the first place so it's those little moments like when he holds his coat up as a shield that reminds you like oh that's That's clever, you know, like, that's good writing, that's smart, and that's utilizing stuff, and that's showing that this is, you know, he's not the only character wearing these clothes, but you don't see anyone else doing that.
2: You know, the first one was him running up the Philly Art Museum steps, the second one is him fighting Apollo Creed, and then the third one's going to be Drago. They're going to skip Clever Lang, because Common is Clever Lang.
1: (laughs) What what movie was it we just saw? Oh, Cars 3 is basically all of the Rocky movies. And so now John Wick is also now all of the Rocky movies. I like it. Even Rocky Five is. In, I think it uh, dips Cars into 3? it
0: dips there for a minute where they talk about like fathers and sons, absolutely.
1: And there's a part where like just you know, Light McQueen's not really racing anymore, so that's sort of like you know, Rocky not really fighting anymore. He doesn't get
2: brain damaged or go bankrupt. Well, well, that's the Rocky <laughs>
1: 5 territory I'm talking about. No, but Cars Three, in all seriousness, is kind of like Rocky One and Rocky Four and Creed. And probably parts of other ones rolled into one. There's no coma, so maybe it's not Rocky Two, but <laughs> it's a lot of the other ones. Is there Russians? Uh there is in the second, it's international, I think, but oh, it's true. Yeah. We're getting off track. So yeah, so let's talk about Lawrence Fishburne for the fact that like they made such a big deal about this in the trailers and in the promotional stuff leading up to the movie. He's on screen for less than ten minutes, but like just like the rest of this world, there's this history there. There's this understanding of who this guy is, he knows John Wick, there's this bond of sorts, this like, you can't tell if they actually like each other or they hate each other, or they're just sort of mutually beneficial to one another in a sense.
2: Yeah, there's, again, it's kind of that honor among thieves that Mike's talking about with like the you owe me. So we're going to get, I'm going to give you this 45, which has half the capacity of the 9mm you use, but it's got more stopping power. And we're going to give you a little head start.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's great because. Lawrence Fishburne is all presence in this movie and we're at a point in the movie now where we've seen a couple strange hitmen a couple weird characters you know like I say like he did the kill montage that's actually how he gets to Lawrence Fishburne like (laughs) after fighting like four guys in a row he actually needs to try and hide from one of them so he gives a gold coin to a homeless kid who hides him and brings him to Lawrence Fishburne and he is the weirdest strangest Character in the John Wick universe so far and I think we needed to wait to this point to meet him Uh and I don't think he disappoints either and it's it's a real window into where they could go in the third as well like when he goes overseas like you could just have like guys into the weirdest shit please 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 Carrie Ann Moss please 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 well, there you go, too. Yeah, Hugo Weaving. That would be great. Like, bring everybody from the Matrix into this universe okay, if you have not, let, to.
2: Let's not limit this to just the Matrix. Let's get, uh, well, we can't get Dennis Hopper we or We get the Kevin ghost Swayze. of Patrick
0: Swayze. Sandra Bullock could that. show up from L.A. as yeah. an assassin. That would be cool. William Sadler. Olivia Diabo from Flying. <laughs> we might be going a little too far now. Ice-T
1: just make it yeah make it make it a really like going away party for for John Wick his funeral if we
0: get to that if that's where they take it like just have everyone you ever co-starred with show up for the end of it
1: so there's a lot of things, like in the IMDb trivia, there are a lot of things written that I'm not sure exactly how really close they are. But, you know, they say that once Lawrence Fishburne shows up, there's a lot of reds and blues, like, you know, the red pill, blue pill. There's cell phones and there's glasses that are similar to them, the the ones like he wore and they used in the Matrix movie.
0: That is true. I didn't pick up on any of that subliminal.
1: There a bunch of other stuff. There's a lot of biblical references because there's talk of the Pope. Like, somebody asked John Wick if he's in Rome to kill the Pope, and he's
0: just like, no. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> when he goes to the Continental, that's what, yeah, yeah. Franco Nero, he's like, let me just ask you one thing. And <laughs> he going to kill the Pope, and John Wick's <laughs> like, why would I want to kill the Pope? <laughs> he's like, oh, thank God. Okay, anything else goes, <laughs> I guess. I
3: failed to recall the last time you were in Rome. And here I'd heard you had retired. I had then humor me with uh, but one question Sei qui per il santo padre No All right then one of our finest rooms
1: Oh, Lawrence Fishburne asks him, or, you know, says he's about to take his descent into hell. Um, and, you know, we, he fights through Club Hell and Matrix Revolutions. So there's a lot of, like, things that feel sort of tied, not just to the Matrix, but to Keanu's career as a whole. There's also a really cool line that someone says, Winston says, uh, Winston played by Ian McShane, another HBO next to the John Wickiverse, says that Santino stabbed the devil in the back, and the devil being Keanu. So that is super cool and super badass and sort of, you know, reminiscent of a lot of things
0: Constantine, which also featured Peter Storm air. Does it say anything in there on Lawrence Fishburne getting inspiration from Mike Tyson with the pigeons <laughs> like, Because they're doing a cool thing where they're swapping out, you know, in olden days you'd put a little note on a pigeon but they're using like um, computer chip but like honestly, like I thought for sure like he is doing some Mike Tyson something here.
1: Well, there's also, I mean, if you guys, if you're listening, go watch Mike Tyson Mysteries, which is amazing and there's all pigeons in that too and there's also a pigeon voice by Norm MacDonald so pigeons and Mike Tyson have a story and history. I don't know. There's no. I didn't see anything about Mike Tyson here. It also gave me kind of a Ghost Dog, way of a samurai sort of vibe. Yeah, right?
0: the rooftop thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the and the the getup is very Ghost Dog. Right, like that sort of homeless. <laughs> right. Drab that they were. I love that gag though. Like the idea that they're not really homeless people in New York. That they're all in a, a secret, intricate web of informants for Lawrence Fishburne, who's the Bowery King. Right. Yeah, they're like Varys' little birds.
1: Right. <laughs> so here's a question for you guys. So we find out at the end of this movie that. Okay, so take a step back, because the, the plot is straightforward, but also somehow confusing, because everything that the plot is about is new to this movie. So there's the high table, and Santino wants John Wick to kill his sister, because their father gave her the seat, and he wants the seat. And so we find out that John Wick, to retire, asked Santino for a favor. So Santino had a marker, which means that, like, basically, I'll do a favor for you, and you do a favor for me, right? Like, that's how a marker works. And so he helps John Wick retire, but then he's like, hey, you need to kill my sister, the marker needs to be closed. John Wick kills his sister, his sister kills herself, she's dead, whatever, he takes a seat at the high table. But then puts out a $7 million hit on John Wick, which we mentioned earlier, and that's where all of the assassins come after him. Like Mike was saying earlier, you know, the sumo guy, the violin woman, all that's different stuff. At the end of the movie, when we said that Ian McShane, you know, says he's excommunicado, and not the high table, but, like, the family, right, of Gianna has doubled the bounty to be $14 million. And we find out that everyone in this New York park is an assassin, because they're all, like, they all listen to this word, and they all look at him, right? So... This it's is something ridiculous. we mentioned, this is a very long ramp up to get to a specific question. In the first movie, when he, there's the shootout at his house, and Jimmy the cop, who makes a return here, shows up, he's the only cop that we see. We find out here that maybe everyone in New York, or at least an overwhelming number of people in New York, are assassins. Are we to believe that everyone is an assassin? Or like is everybody at that party in Rome, they just seem like normal people?
0: Yeah, no, because that's like the party in the first one, the the club from the first movie. I don't don't feel like that was an assassins-only dance club. Uh, But this is, I just feel like they needed to streamline all this. There's a little too much going on. I feel like they wanted us to see a little too deep into the world a little too soon. Because I didn't get the sense necessarily that they were all assassins, but just that they worked at the Continental or for Ian McShane, or he had just... You know, assemble them to prove a point that, you know, he has power and, uh, you know, that he grants John Wick the hour before um, the excommunicado actually goes into effect. So, therefore, just saying, like, as a friend, I'm giving you a head start, but also at the same time saying, like, you're in some deep shit because, you know, this world is taking all of what you did very seriously, even if it's not, like, entirely your fault. You are to blame
2: I feel like the relationship between Winston and Wick is like, Wick is like the favorite student of Winston, who's this professor, mentor, teacher. And he's doing this as a favor. He's like, he's doing him a solid because he likes him enough and respects him enough. And even though Wick does not give a fuck when he shoots Santino in the head, Without, it, it, I love that part. He just doesn't give a shit what's going on. He just walks in,
1: bang. Well, because we find out real quick to interrupt. There's two rules: no killing at the Continental, and and all markers must be honored. And so. Santino, like the bitch that he is, goes and hides out of the Continental. He's just like, "Hey, like, look at this menu. See how many food options there are. I could just never leave here." And then Keanu's just like, eh, or whatever, and just shoots him. So he, that's how he gets, he gets excommunicado. But go ahead, Mike.
2: No, I was going to say that moment. It's like it was like something out of Steven Seagal movie. It's very one sided. <laughs> yes, like even more than the Vigo fight. It literally, he's sitting there. He's like, "Oh, the duck fat is so good." And then Keanu Reeves is like, oh, fuck that. I don't want to eat any of this food. And he's just bang, suddenly shot, like in the middle of a sentence.
1: I was watching this movie with subtitles, as I do most of the times I'm rewatching a movie for Keanu Club. And the subtitle just says, like, walk a dash. Like, he doesn't even get, like, walk away as a full subtitle. He just gets shot in the middle. That reminded me, and there's another time earlier in this movie where Keanu is, like, on the ground and a big guy is coming at him. And he shoots him in both kneecaps. That reminded me of, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is another era
0: I thought the same thing. Yes.
1: Where the the guy has all the swords, you know, and he just has a whip, and then he just pulls out the gun. Like it's you know famously that Harrison Ford had you know diarrhea or whatever dysentery on that day, and needed to go to the bathroom. He couldn't do this like choreographed scene. But that it just reminded me that John Wick is like there's there's very few people in the history of movies that are as cool as Indiana
0: Jones, and dare I say that John Wick might be one of them. Quite perhaps. I mean, you know, it's interesting that whole stuff with the Continental, like uh, him and Common fight to the point where they like bus through the Continental's front door and yep. are reminded they need to stop and they do take a break and they kind of chill out at the bar and they buy each other a drink and they're like, okay, next time. But then when he goes in to get this weasel, Santino, right? Like, yeah, shoots a mid-sentence right in front of the fucking owner, you know? <laughs> like, that yeah. is just like, I don't give a shit. Like, this guy deserves it. And I think that is part of the point. I think John Wick was like, he doesn't deserve his seat, right? And maybe E. McShane might have taken some of what he saw into consideration. But I also love how he's just like, Jonathan, Jonathan.
1: <laughs> right. Well, yeah, he,
0: Like, he knows he can sort of bend the rules but not break the rules for his favorite student. Right. Or else he would have, instead of getting a one-hour head start, there would have been a circle of people shooting him at night, and, you know, yep. like in or the first he, movie.
2: he would have inadvertently gotten Winston killed. Like, it would have been some kind of, like, chain reaction.
0: I wonder, no yeah, president. I like what you said about that whole, like, John being the favorite son of some kind. I mean, it's probably too far to think that that is John's father, right? Like, we don't want to think that, or do you think that they'll even go there? I don't know. What no. do you so, guys think? So
1: here's something. It's not exactly an answer to that question, but I was reading that the the director and the writer gave an interview to Screen Junkies. They had a lot of ideas for what this movie could have been about, and this is when they wound up with, with, you know, the high table and the marker and everything. But they were tossing around ideas about, another love of Keanu's or, like, Keanu going after a daughter? And I was like, like we don't know anything about his family. And like, we barely know about Helen, his wife. We just know that she's dead and that he loved her and that he retired for her. But, like, outside of that, we know nothing about his family. So, like, it's conceivable that Ian McSheen is his father, but, like... Like, it could go either way and like I, I don't think ultimately it matters because he's sort of acting like one right. whether anyway, he is or not yeah, he's
0: filling that role right intentionally whether it's biological or not that, that is the role he's playing there why complicate the matters but it would be cool to see like if in fact everyone on the planet is an assassin and he does have like some siblings like what would his brother and sister be like are they good or bad you know like is he gonna tussle with them in the third one does he ask his mom for help
2: I think that would be pushing into like ridiculous, very ridiculous territory. I mean, it's one thing to have Jason Statham be revealed as the brother of the bad guy in a Fast and the Furious movie, and then a movie later you find out that Helen Mirren is their
0: mother. <laughs> I love it though, but you're right; it does feel more like a part five or six idea as opposed to just like a part three. You're like clean, <laughs> cleanly closing out a trilogy.
1: Actually, while we're talking, while you mentioned Fast and the Furious. I think it's funny, I mean, again, going back to the time between movies, I think it's funny that the dog does not have a name. The dog spends most of the movie with Lance Reddick. I was thinking, because, you know, at the end of Fate of the Furious, slight spoilers for the end of Fate of the Furious, that there's a baby, and they name the baby Brian, which is weird, because... In that world, Brian O'Connor's not dead. He's dead. just retired. So it's yeah. like they want to name the baby Paul Walker, but they didn't name the baby, whatever. So I wonder if in John Wick 3, we're going to find out the dog's name? Hmm. What was the dog in the first one? Lily.
0: Okay. It would be cool if this one had like a, the name of a flower also, even though it's like a much like it's, butchier, a, it's a, meaner it's a boy looking dog. dog too. Right. hmm but it could still be funny. They should call him Baba. Call him what? Baba? <laughs> yeah. Just <boogie>. Baba. <laughs> I
1: wonder, because, like, you know, if the Fate of the Furious writers were writing this, it also wouldn't be as cool, because, like, this is super... I mean, not that right. Fate of the Furious is not cool, but it would have been a little bit cornier, and, like, the dog would have been, like, Helen. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been, like, right. that's... But I don't know what the dog... I mean, maybe the dog doesn't
0: really have
1: a name. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I guess think that's... I he
1: that's, calls him Dog
0: dog like, and good dog yeah yeah it's what gives the dog its character this time around like i feel like the first time around the you know the dog was the charm from the dead wife like right like symbolize the dead wife and that relationship Uh, the dog this time around like what is it like really it's just kind of like just kind of there it doesn't really I don't know what it's really doing there it's it's just more to say like John Wick needs to have a dog because like he grew attached to the idea of like having a dog I'm not I'm not sure but I mean I love the dog it's a cute dog I just wish it was in more of the movie if they were going to have him in the movie you know he takes him for two really long walks he walks basically from New Jersey to brooklyn twice with this poor dog
1: <laughs> yeah. well i think i mean the dog is there because it's a nice button on the first movie
0: and then you can't just not have the dog in the second movie so true, like true one character they didn't bring back i was keeping an eye out for was the bartending girl from the first movie i thought yeah were, like if everyone was going to show up that she would pop in but no it'd been cool if she like got being uh, promoted to accounts receivable or something okay
1: so can we talk about that room of accountants, the accounts payable, like, I'm obsessed with them. Like, all, like, moderately to really attractive women in the same pink shirt, all tattooed. Like, they're all of their left
0: arms, like, fully tattooed. I don't know what's going on there, but it's fascinating. They're, they're all wearing, like, diner... Outfits, right? Yeah. Like diner waitress outfits with yeah, fully full tattoo sleeves, and like Mike said earlier, it's totally out of that accounting scene in Brazil where there's just like old-fashioned machinery that they're doing calculations on, and like typewriters, and everything is just analog in that room. You know, it's all just like a paper trail. It's
2: great. It's like a it's like a late '80s Madonna video.
0: <laughs> That's it's true. Like, you could herself. almost see him typing in like to a beat, right? Like they're all typing right. together in synchronization.
1: Yeah that would also be another good job to have just be like their supervisor because they all seem really good at what they do so i feel like it'd be not a lot of stress and just like hang out with like what seems to be the coolest room of women because like there's not a lot of women in these movies like there's adrian palicki in the first one there's ruby rose in the second one there's the spirit of helen there's the bartender like you were just saying but like most of it's just like dudes shooting each other and here you have a room full of probably really cool women like let's just hang out there
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe that's where they'll go with the TV show deeper, right? Like, there's so much here. I feel like even though to a degree, maybe I'm overloaded, like they have set up whatever they need to taking it forward, right? Like, there is more than enough sort of fruit on the tree now, whether it's the high table or all the different continentals around the world or, like, you know, what else is out there when you call, like, we didn't see the cleaners show up in the in this movie, but they were in the first one, right? So, like, there's all these different jobs that we still don't know about. It was really cool seeing him go to, like, get his guns this time and talk about, like, you know, dessert and all that and, you know, the quartermaster just getting, like, really excited about showing him weapons and everything. And so, like, yeah they really have done a good job of setting up the next movie i just wish it didn't take this much time away from the from this movie yeah i thought david patrick kelly
2: was going to come back for this one i think he was listed on imdb when it was being made i guess he had conflicts with twin peaks
1: speaking of things that we didn't see but maybe could have seen in the beat and this is a really roundabout way to get back to what i want to talk about in the beginning of the movie, that 14-minute cold open, Peter Stormare's at his desk just sort of chomping on a cigar or whatever, and John Wick is going around the garage, killing people, you know, shooting people, crashing the people. We cut back a couple times to just Peter Stormare, like, listening. I kind of want, like, a 14-minute version of him just, like, reacting to the sounds he hears, because I understand that, like, the it was so beautiful because there's only a couple times. I want a full, like... I can't like trying to figure out, like, trying to piece together what he's
0: doing. You want the whole, just the whole take of that, right? It's just yes. like the, the one long tape of yep. that they got of him reacting to what's going on down there, and just play that, and then maybe once or twice cut to John Wick, and okay, then just, yeah, now you know. hear a
1: really big car crash. Okay, now you hear a guy shout, and then you hear three gun bullets, or three bullets, and now you hear like five bullets,
0: and now you hear breaking bones. Right. Now someone just got, like, run over by a car. Now someone got flipped over by a car. Now someone got hit by a car.
2: (laughs) And, you know, I thought they were – I really wanted them to kind of pull a Hans Gruber, Simon Gruber thing with this series and introduce Vigo's brother as, like, the evil younger brother. But they did it, and they subverted it where, for whatever reason, this guy is, like, a good guy – I think he'll get killed off in the next one, though.
0: I think Vigo is the evil brother. Like, Stormare like considered the nice one, I guess, or the reasonable one. Well, well, Vigo also was like, he knew better than the fuck with John Wick. It was just his idiot son that started all yep. that bullshit. Right. So I bet if he could, he would have tried to squash it. And this guy, Stormare, just knows better. And he's just like, John, whatever you want, just peace. If peace is what you want, that's amazing. I'll stick to that. It's a truce. There's a couple of really cool kills that we haven't talked about, I don't think. One thing
1: is that there's a guy that John Wick holds a shotgun to and, like, pins him against the wall while he reloads the shotgun and then kills him with it. Yep. Which is amazing.
0: That was sort of like a a play off of the first one where he kind of, like, pins a guy to the wall while he reloads and then shoots him again.
1: And another really cool one or sort of an expanded version of how he kills Ruby Rose, he stabs her through the hand and then stabs her hand with the knife into her heart, which is just
0: amazing. It's elaborate. That was awesome. Just, uh, I don't know. There's just something always about like, the instinct of putting your hand up in front of your face and then like a knife going through it is like it happened in Mad Max with an arrow I think and like I just feel like that's really cool all the time it's just like oh it's a close call but I'm still really injured here there's one other kill that I really
1: remember and it was at the end when they're in that you know the museum and they're like that hall of mirrors and he sees a guy and he's not sure where the guy is so he shoots twice and gauges how that is in relation to the guy and then puts one bullet through the guy's head like through a wall which is just super cool I think yeah are there any others that any other really notable ones that I that we haven't talked about that I can't remember I'll tell you one that I love is when he runs out of ammo and he just throws the
2: gun at the guy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: that was cool. <laughs> like that's how desperate he is, and that he wants to kill people. He runs out of ammo, so he just throws the gun at somebody and picks up another gun.
0: Everything can be a weapon to this guy. I, I like the moment. I think it was in the the garage sequence in the beginning where his car's missing a door. The car gets hit, and he, like, falls out of his car? Did that happen? Oh, well, there's, I mean, I don't
1: remember that. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't doubt that it happened. But the way that he lost that door is that there's the motorcycle guy chasing him, and he opens his door and then slams on the brakes, and the motorcycle guy, like, rams into his door, knocks the door off the car, and the motorcycle guy
0: goes tumbling over. So it's all just super cool when he's in that car. There's a moment early in the first common fight When they're in Rome, where you know, like, that they're pretty close to each other's strengths is when they go down like that extremely comically long flight of stairs together and they just keep like grabbing it like they're holding each other most of the time and when they re-grab each other just like throwing themselves again with the momentum so that they go all the way down this stone staircase and then they have like a crazy knife fight after that so
1: so it's interesting that you bring those two things up Mike because Keanu did about 95% of what you see in this movie the only things he didn't do were that stairs sequence and when he got hit in the car so everything else is Keanu and I mean we even see you know there was a video that came out I think early this year or late last year of him doing that gun training prepping for this movie where it's like this guy the actor Keanu Reeves knows what he's doing he also spent and this is another thing sort of relation thing to the to the matrix He spent three months training, mostly doing judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, marksmanship, and driving. And, like, it pays off
0: because he looks great at all of them.
2: He's very convincing.
0: What I did notice this time is, like, the, the fights are just really well shot again. Like, there's a lot of long takes. There's not a lot of coverage. And it really helps. And you just feel them, like, you feel that they're tired at times. That they're just, like, you know, punch, 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 like, stop. The camera stops, it's not even cutting, and then they keep punching each other again, and they just, like, explode back into action. I'm just really glad that they kept the aesthetic from the first one, uh, as far as, like, the filming rules and everything. Not not a lot of that wacky handheld stuff going on here.
1: So the body count for this movie is 116, which is, I think, more than the first movie. So that's, I think, yeah. I think the first movie was about 80-ish. And we're just talking about
2: Wick kills, right?
1: Well, this has body count, but like I can't think of too many people who died who he didn't kill, or at least like shoot after they died, (laughs) right? So a weird thing is that Entertainment One, which is the Australian distributor, was going to put this out straight to DVD, which seems surprising. And then so many people blew up their Facebook and Twitter and, like, contact on their website that they're like, all right, fine, we'll put it in theaters. It seems weird that after the – I mean, because the first movie, like you were saying on the first episode, Mike, you were like – as you were working on it, you were wondering if it was going to be straight to DVD, like you had no sense of the yeah. scope. And then like it became the surprise hit for the second movie with twice the budget, you know, sort of cresting off the success of the first one to then put that one to DVD. It's just like it's it's weird. I don't get it. But here's the thing. When it came
2: out, I met just messaged a friend of mine who lives in Australia and he's a huge action movie nut, loves John Wick. And he was like, dude. I'm so pissed off they haven't announced they have not announced a release date and I think they just released it last month and he was like oh my god oh my god
1: that's the same thing that we're we're we're, there's a cage movie that's been out in the UK since March that is going to be released here sometime in the fall and I mean it's not to the scope of John Wick chapter two but like Mike and I have been sitting here like come on like let's get with it
2: which one is it Vengeance, Vengeance a, a love story.
1: Oh, uh, Don Johnson's in that, I believe.
0: Yep. Like, I get it. Like, that is much more of a VOD. Like, they knew it was probably going there in most markets. But it's weird. It is probably just a regional thing. I mean, I wonder sometimes about uh, other countries in general, how much of the American market they actually get. There's a great joke in Flight of the Concords where, like, their friend comes over from New Zealand and he just got the Matrix on VHS. <laughs> You know, and it's like 2010 in America. and Like, he doesn't even aware that there's sequels or anything. So I think that's like a longstanding joke as well, is like, um, just different countries don't get all of America's media, like, as soon as we do. Unfortunately, they have to like wait or never get it, or things like John Wick 2 will have to go straight to VOD. That's what
2: my friend Eric that I mentioned before, he lives in Bolivia, and he has lived there since the early 90s, and it used to be an agonizing wait for blockbusters to come down there. Like, a summer blockbuster in the early 90s would get there for Christmas. But now it's gotten to a point where... It's usually day and date, but just recently, he was trying to watch all the Transformers movies, and then the new one didn't come out, and he's like, shit, I'm going to have to see it when I'm in the States. Happened to him last year on the last Star Trek, so it's volatile. But for some reason, John Wick 2 was out in Bolivia the same day it was out in the States and he didn't go see it.
1: But that poor guy who spent 12 hours of his life watching the Transformers movies to watch the fifth one for some reason, and then... Oh, trust me. (laughs) He has not heard the end of that one. Um, Three other little tidbits about this movie. Common is back. We didn't mention this before. He was on another Keanu movie that Mike was a guest on. He was in Street Kings. So this is a key connection. Uh, Number two, the DJ at the party in Rome is DJ Lee Castlevania. L.E. Castlevania. <laughs> two That's words. That's an
0: amazing DJ name.
1: I call DJ Contra. <laughs> and he wrote music for both John Wick movies, which is cool. Oh, and cool. the other thing is that at the end of the first movie, when John Wick kills Vigo, Vigo says, Be seeing you, John. And so in this movie, Ruby Rose says it to him a couple times, I think, and he's like, you know, the first time he says, Not if I see you first, and then after he kills her, she says it again or she signs it again, and he just says sure, like alright, like whatever. Then <laughs> I guess that's like I'll see you in hell sort of, but like be seeing you, John. And I think
0: Common says it too when he gets when he gets stabbed, I think. There's this obscure show called The Prisoner starring Patrick McGuin from like I know the it. 70s. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's a big catchphrase from there, be seeing you. And the idea behind that is they're all sort of retired secret agents that are too dangerous to be left in the world. So they've been collected on this mysterious island for the rest of their right. lives. And, and be seeing you is sort of like the all purpose, like either have a nice day or go fuck yourself. <laughs> yes.
1: There's so many good quotes in this movie. The one that I want to make sure that Mike puts the audio in for is the last bit of dialogue, maybe the entire movie. It's that after Ian McShane, after Winston excommunicates him from the Continental, it's not as over the top or as enthusiastic as his sort of, you know, shouting bit from the first movie. But he, you know, says, you know, basically, I'm going to kill everybody.
4: Winston. Tell them, tell them all, whoever comes, whoever it is, I'll kill them,
0: I'll kill them all.
3: Of course you will
0: yeah it's a great note to go out on it's us at least like i mean until he starts running i feel like he's gonna be fine but then he starts hearing all the phones go off and he starts running and then i feel like maybe for the first time ever in his life possibly he might be a little freaked out (laughs) about what's about to happen to him right they went full empire strikes back on
2: that
1: ending
0: which is like the ambiguity of like the dark ending there yeah, same thing with The Dark
1: Knight. All right, so stay tuned for John Wick Chapter 3, starring way too many Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Flynn, any other thoughts or notes or anything about John Wick Chapter uh, 2?
2: No. Just glad that I got to discuss <laughs> this one with you, again, with you that I've continued the John Wick journey.
1: And you'll be back for the third one whenever the third one comes out. I'm guessing probably... 2019, 2020-ish, but we, we don't know. I mean, they, they've, they've confirmed it, but who knows when it'll actually be out. Thank you for joining us on this Keanu journey, and we look forward to having you back for the third one.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: Mike Mans, any last thoughts about John Wick chapter two?
0: I just want to say that I do really, 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 really like this movie. It's a really good sequel. You know, I might I brought up a couple things that bothered me, but I don't think by any means any of that breaks the movie. Uh, I'm one of the guys who falls in the camp of I like the, the mythology. Yeah, maybe they went a little too deep, but what I got, I'm still I still enjoy it. I don't feel like any of it doesn't belong in the universe they're building. And I'm just, I'm glad we got another one so soon. And I hope we get the third one, you know, within the same amount of time. I I really just hope that they turn it out so people don't forget about John Wick. You know, it's like, let's keep John Wick in people's minds.
2: Exactly.
1: The final wrap-up is that, like, I think all three of us have made it clear that we like the first one better, but I ranked all the Keanu Reeves movies, oh and this is God. still in my top five. Like, John Wick, the only movie I think he's better in, or that's better suited for him than John Wick 1 is The Matrix. But here, like, John Wick Chapter 2, even though I don't like it as much as the first one, I still really love this movie. I just don't like it as much as Point Break or Flying. And that's we- totally
0: fair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> God, go see Flying. Just go see Flying. So for all things Keanu and all the movies that we just mentioned, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. You can see all the episodes that we've done. You can see everything that Mike's done for Cage Club and Keanu Club. He's done a couple more of the next episodes podcast we're doing starting december 1st which we have not announced yet but he'll be back so you go find his episodes all sorts of fun free things for you to go read and listen to and all sorts of stuff at those three places i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike Mint. and that was mike flynn and we'll see you next time on kiana club